My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This is it. The time has come. Get in the ring and go the distance with Fight Night. With Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davies. You're better than that. On TalkSport, the home of boxing. Welcome to the Fight Night Podcast from TalkSport. I'm Adam Catterall. Pleasure to be with you. If you are not a subscriber to this podcast, what are you playing at? Come on, you know what to do. Hit the uh, subscribe button on iTunes. Uh, you can also get us on the TalkSport website if you need any Android feeds. We are here every single Monday bringing you closer to the Fight Sports game with some of the biggest names in the game coming to join us on our Fight Night show every single Saturday night. And I'm going to prove that to you right now. As you know, coming up in October, uh, we've got a big fight between two big names with loads of nostalgic undertones. It is, of course, Chris Eubank Jr. versus Connor Ben. Everybody seems to be talking about it at the moment, so we thought we'd speak to one of them. Connor Ben had a bit of spare time on a Saturday night whilst he was chilling out in the jacuzzi, so we decided to give him a call and get him on the show. We started by talking about weight. As far as I'm concerned, um, the weight was always fine. The weight was, a, you know, suggested to my team by Team Eubanks, and we just agreed the weight. Um, you know, obviously, me jumping jumping up two weights division is, well, that's, it's a big jump, you know. So for him to come down an extra three pounds, that should be no problem, really, when you look at it like that. Um, but, you know, that's not... That's not no, that's not our problem. If his dad has an issue with him firing me at that weight, then that's an issue they need to sort out. That has nothing to do with me. It's completely irrelevant to me. All I know is I signed a contract to fire this weight for this much at this time, and I agreed all, on all fronts. We we spoke to Tony a couple of weeks ago, and he said near enough the same thing, that the, that the weight of 157 was suggested by Team Eubank, and even the rehydration limit uh, was suggested by Team Team Eubank. When them figures came in your way, bearing in mind that obviously he is two weights above you, and he's four, actually three weights above you at one point, were you surprised that those suggestions came back your way? 
not at all. I mean, I, I, I'd find him anyway. So it's way. Not from his point of view. Fight. From from him suggesting th- those stipulations. No, no. Oh, I, I I I was surprised that he'd what that he would take the fight. That what, what forget everything else, all the details. Um, you know, there's. I wasn't surprised at the way. Obviously, then he really wants to fight. If he's saying to us he can make that way, then you know that's that's great. Um, I wasn't expecting him to to drop below uh, 160. So you know, the fact that we've agreed that way, I believe he's a man of his word. As he says he is, he will make the way. Um, it makes it even with me jumping up two weight divisions uh, ish. G- given where you're currently at in your career, are you surprised that this is the next one for you? <laughs> yeah, of course I am, man. Um, I mean, I knew Adam. Yeah, uh, mate, listen, absolutely. I um, I was enjoying what you were doing at 147. And um, oh, like, 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 like I've said to you on many occasions, the, the progress that you've made over the last 24 months in particular has, uh, has really got a lot of people excited of where this journey could go at 147. So when the shout came in, I, go on. I, I agree. Um, you know, I'm not writing off 147 at all, but one reason why I've taken this fight is you can't pass up on an opportunity like this. I get that. I, do you know what I mean? This five minutes, so in 12 minutes. The interest in this fight is it has a, it has an aura about it. It has a, a vibe about the fight, you know, that I don't think fighting for a world title can, can give me um, in terms of the magnitude of the fight. Um, it got it, so many generations. How can I then go, oh, yeah, no, I'm going to have another um, an, another fight with, I don't know who, Keito Obara, Keith Herman was struggling to make the fight, offered Jose Ramirez um, the fight. You know, he wanted you, Gas. You know, so none of these fights were materialising. So if they're not materialising, I wanted to stay active. But then I'm not going to then just fight another, another fight to get me through to one of them big names. You know, I wanted a, I wanted a big fight next. The world title belts were all held up. Um, Ugas firm and all them, none of them were taking the fight at the time. So it's like Eubank, the Eubanks fight grew legs very quickly, which was a surprise to me. Um, and and here we are. Um, you know, for me, time is something I won't get back. So for me, staying active is so important to me. Building momentum is, is you know, I think that's just really helped me in my career. Do you rate him as a boxer? Um, do I rate him? I rate him as a fighter, yeah. Ah, see, the choice of language there was slightly different. Fighter and boxer are two <laughs> totally different things, aren't they? So you admire uh, the set of stones that he's got on him and how far he'll go uh, during a 12-round period, but from a technical aspect, you're un- you're unsure where he's at. Um, I'm unsure. I think, um, I think it's hard, man, because... If you look at my career and you look at his career, you look at my trajectory and look at his, you look at where he was at when I first turned pro and now you look at me now. So I don't I don't know why he, I don't see how he's improved. I don't think he's improved from when, from the, all the decisions he's made, from the choice of trainers, from relocating to, um, you know, it's, and it, I think it shows in his style. Um, you know, it's very stop-start. Um, a very jarring style, but you know sometimes he gets the job done. When he steps up, someone who boxes, he's um, you know he falls short. Um, whereas you look at my career, and there's been a constant progress. So yeah, I'm not I'm not really um, I'm not really sure where he's at.
do you have to change anything that you've been doing in order to compensate for the extra weight going into this one? Um, <laughs> I mean, making sure I don't get hit. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's good. Always, uh, that's, that's, all, that's always uh, a priority, but I'd say even more so this fight. Um, you know, jumping up two weight divisions, it has been a massive challenge. Um, but it's a challenge that I've really enjoyed. Um, you know, sparring bigger guys, sparring super middles, sparring light heavies, um, sparring middles, and then, you know, um, light middles. It's, um, I don't think I've actually sparred a light middle this camp yet. Um, you know, so I've been sparring with the big boys, and um, and it presents different challenges. Um, I find some things easier with heavier people um, that I wouldn't with lighter people, but. You know, it's it's a challenge, man. I believe I believe um, you know that's what I thrive off. Would you say beating Chris would be an upset? Um, I don't know. You tell me, Adam, because I'm getting mixed. It's the public's opinions are so mixed. It's honestly like as if people are like, I don't know. It's just really it's a it's really a mental one because. One, you're hearing it don't go past six from my part, mm. four to six. Then you're hearing Eubanks is way too big. You've been off more than you can chew here. You know, he's just too big. Um, but from your point of view, for, for you going into this, it's win-win, isn't it? No, no, man. I hate when people say that. Why, why, why is no it win. not? Because it ain't no win-win. Does my record say win-win when I, if I lost? No, 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 you're 100% right. So, so if that does happen, well, you can always say, then that's not my weight. No, 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 because that, no, I, don't, I don't come up with no excuses. I don't, take on, I don't take on a fight because I don't take on a fight. I don't think I can win. So for me going, oh, yeah, but, you know, it's a win-win. I've got a lovely payday. Um, you know, I jumped up two weights, you know, win-win. No, that's not how I look at this. This I, I don't look at him and go, oh, yeah, you know, um, I write, it's, every fight at this level is a risk. Furman's a risk. Hugues is a risk. Mm. Jose Ramirez is a risk. Um, Errol Spence, Crawford, they're all risks. So, so, Eubanks is at risk, but I still believe I can beat him. So, for me to, for everyone to go, oh yeah, but you know, it's, um, it's a win-win. It ain't no win-win. You know, I'm a fighter. And, Losing a fight is losing a fight. Irrelevant of how much I got in my bank account. Irrelevant of what weight is that I lost to another man. Mm. If it, you know what, if you, if yeah. you get my perspective. 100% I do, yeah. And also, as well as that, regarding the nostalgic element of this fight coming together with your fathers that uh, obviously once, yeah. well, I say twice, danced in the, in the 1990s, do you feel added pressure going into the fight? Um, do you know what? It's weird, uh, Adam, because... I don't feel no pressure at all. And then you talk to me, I talk to a 25-year-old, O2 sell out in 12 minutes. Mm. Um, why do I not feel nervous? Why do I not feel pressure? Why do I not feel, um, yeah, the pressure of the occasion? I don't, I don't feel a thing. Um, and I can only put that down to um, how nervous and anxious and fearful I was at the start of my career walking out to big arenas when I wasn't ready. What was um, the uh, the face off the sit down like from your point of view? Uh, sit down. Um, she's, he's, he's a strange individual. <laughs> um, that's, that's, I mean, that's all. Right. That's Can I just I say, by the way, to. wonderful choice of a tie. By the way, going with the vest and glasses. I like that man. That's a that's a good vibe. I, I, I obviously could not pull that off, but well done to you. 
you know what? It was quite hot in there, and you know, I was ready. To, I was ready to scrap. So um, you look like yeah, you look you like know, you're up for it. You look like you were ready. Yeah, yeah. So for me, it's um, I was just ready to go, man. You know. So for me, it weren't it weren't um, all it weren't all um, all um, golden glitter. It was um, yeah, straight to business. But the face off, I mean, I expected nothing less. Um, I expected nothing less. He was coming out of what he was coming out with, um, you know, saying things like the father figure and all that. It's um, it's all it is all just rubbish and it is all just PR. You know, when I get in there, I'm, I'm straight down to the business. And what I say, I mean, I genuinely mean. I don't I don't try and play mind games or try and do this or try and do that um, because it means nothing. It's all rubbish. Um, it's a good selling point, uh, but you know, for me, when I get in there, it's um, it's down to business. The big facts are coming thick and fast to TalkSport. This week coming, we're going to be in Manchester for Joe Joyce versus Joseph Parker. So we thought we'd catch up with one of them uh, on the show at the weekend. Joseph Parker was on to talk about the prospects of fighting Joe Joyce and what it means for him going forward. Camp is, is lonely because you're, you're in there putting, putting in the work, but you have your team around you. And when you add these, these sort of opportunities to create content, it just gives you a bit more, it's fun. It's a sort of fun part of it. And um, I mean, we do have fun. We go bowling, we play instruments, we watch movies and all that. But it's just another one of those things that you can add to the to the fun factor of camp. One of the things that, sorry, Ed, one of the, good evening, Joe. Um, good evening. One of the things that's come out this week is that Andy Lee is not allowing you and Tyson Fury to spar each other. And I, one, I want to know why. And two... As the big Gypsy King uh, putting in the hard work ahead of December the 3rd already? Um, I'm not sure why we're not able to spar. I mean, we do a lot of body sparring and it's very, it's like body sparring is hard. Like we smash each other to the body, but we haven't really done the full sort of contact um, sparring. Not sure why, but um, we had sparring partners in camp though who gave us great work to prepare for Joyce. And Tyson is training here and there. He's uh, busy doing a lot of other things, but he does join in, in in a few sessions here and there during the week. Well, when we're in camp, have we not? Have we not heard though? You know that this fight is being signed for December the third. Is it? Is it? Has he not got down and dirty already? Then no, I haven't heard anything. I mean, <laughs> you're a good man, Joe. <laughs> Either way, I haven't you're, heard you're batting him off heard. well tonight, man. You're batting him off. Well done. Yeah, I wish if, listen, if I had some news, I'll be the one to break it. Imagine breaking the news. Listen, listen, from your point of view, this fight was verbally agreed. Obviously, no contract side originally, and we saw that it was announced last time Tyson was out against uh, Dillian White. We all got extremely excited. And then, of course, you took your path with your new uh, promotional deal and television deal. Uh, fantastic from that point of view. But then there was obviously a point of back and forth of whether this fight was going to happen or not. How delighted are you? Um, that in a, in a world where so many excuses are made from promoters and broadcasters as to why fights can't happen, that your promoter and Joe's promoter have managed to come together and the television companies have managed to come together to get this fight on because it's a fight that the fans are absolutely thirsty for. I, I, I believe this is a great fight. Um, you've got number one and number two fighting each other. And I am very delighted that the all the parties have come come to play. They've all come together to make this fight happen. And I know there's a lot of fights that haven't been able to be made because of the, the broadcasting and promoters and managers. But I'm very happy that we're able to lock in this fight. Well, it's been talked about, mm. and it's a fight that I feel will give will give a lot of action in this fight. I think we're both we're both gonna come to fight. 
The the ramifications of it as well are are incredible. For people that haven't been keeping up to date with the heavyweight division and maybe only concentrating on, on Tyson and Alexander Usyk and Anthony uh, and, and their narrative, the winner of this fight is prime for the WBO because that's what this fight is basically all about. And if Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua do have a fight and maybe multiple fights, that will leave Alexander Usyk without dance partners. And if you're the number one with the WBO, you're in prime position to be fighting for a world title in 2023. Prime position. But it's, it's, uh, it's the winner. You know, this fight, it's, it's all about winning. And for me, uh, my, plan, my plan is to win next weekend. And then my plan is I'm locked in for a rematch clause, which I think is totally rubbish. There should be no rematch clauses if you're not champion. Agree. Um, but I think they're just they're a bit they're a bit doubtful that something might happen or I might beat them, and they they need this for safety. So I have to beat them and next weekend, which I will I'll beat them again in December. Then listen, when I'm at number one, I'd love the opportunity to fight anyone. And if it's Usyk, it'll be great. It'll be a great fight. But Barry Joyce, he's the man that I want to smash. I'm throwing a head. So- Say you win against when you win against uh, Joe, Joe Joyce. Um, there's talk at the moment if Fury and Joshua fight each other, Joe. Um, there's talk about Usyk looking to fight Deontay Wilder at the moment, um, early-ish next year. Wilder obviously has to beat Robert Hellenius as well, uh, coming up in in November. Oh, in, in, in October, November, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. In November. Um, yeah. That presumably there's an option there that. You might fight the winner of Wilder and Usyk, and they're both guys we need to see you in against. I would fight absolutely anyone, Gareth, anyone and everyone. But um, there's no point for me talking about those mm. fights and beat this guy in front of me. So uh, until I beat this guy, I would love to fight anyone and put me in the ring of anyone. I'm keen to fight anyone, and I want to be one of those fighters who who would get in the ring and fight anyone because. Um, as a fighter, you don't want to make excuses. You want to challenge yourself against the best in the world. Okay. I believe. Okay, you know, I, how do you beat this guy then? Because he said he doesn't want to be hit as much in this fight. How do you beat, without obviously giving game plan away, we know what Joe is, we know what you are. How do you beat Joe Joyce? It's about how I turn up. I mean, Joe Joyce has one style. They come forward, good engine, throw punches, and put on the pressure. But it's how I want to show up to this fight that really matters. It's about me. I got a good game plan with Andy. Andy is, is a master at game plans. And yeah. I think, you know, it's about being smart but also mixing it up and you know i'm gonna he wants to avoid being punched but how can you avoid you know what, what has he been working on to avoid getting punched i don't mm. know like you know is it movement because i haven't really seen a lot of you know faster movement or faster punches or you know what i mean the only fight where he was effective was using that jab against daniel dubois where he kept him off him to be very honest. good jab he used in that fight yeah Mm. Re- regarding conditioning, Joe, have you done anything different going into this fight? And I'm, listen, you're always in top condition. Your hand speed's electric. You've got great footwork as well. But as you've just mentioned there, with Joe, he is he has got a great engine on him and he does get quicker, if we could call it that, as, as fights do progress. So have you had to change anything regarding your strength and conditioning in order to plan for that 12-round uh, onslaught next weekend? Well, we've kept the, the, the strength and conditioning the same. And I've actually broke some personal best in camp with uh, with the weights. Also, add, there's, uh, there's um, circuits that Andy's added into camp, but also the sparring. Mm. We've lifted the, the level of sparring, but also the number of rounds that we've done in camp. So, going into this fight, there, there's absolutely no excuse. I'm strong, I'm fit, I'm healthy, and I'm ready to go. And if he beats me on a day, that means he's better than me. And I have a lot more work to do, but he ain't going to beat me. I can tell, right? Just... I don't know about you, Gareth, but there's a, there seems to be a, an extra spring 
in your step or, or an extra spring in your voice as we're speaking to you to you right now. In the past, of course, it's been there and you've been excited about particular fights, but there seems to be a little bit of something extra this time, Joe. Am, am I off with that? Or Can am I, I on say it? this as well? Winter is coming. The heavyweights are <laughs> Have gathering. Have you gone Game of Thrones? We, I have. You've gone I'm Game of Thrones I have gone him, Game of Thrones. <laughs> Winter is coming. The heavyweights yeah. are gathering. The clouds are gathering. Ruiz has just won. Wilder's just about to win, I believe. Two of the greatest heavyweights in the world right now going at it next week. And we are there a few feet from, for Live for Talk Sport, a few feet from you and Joe Joyce doing this. We are so excited. Do you feel it? I feel it. <laughs> and I, 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 got, I felt, I felt it. Listen, as soon as you started talking, the winter is coming. Oh, That's mate, it. that just got me right there and then and there. But the the passion I have for boxing has come back, mm. and then I have a lot more of an understanding of myself as a fighter, and I was understanding the training and just the whole camp life, and I'm enjoying it and loving it. And there's no reason why to enjoy fight week and enjoy the fight that's ahead because that's the reward for all the hard work we put in. We kind of forget that you became world champion relatively young in your years, and therefore it's only now that many would class that you're starting to come in to to your prime. Do you think, obviously, that length of time has given you a deeper appreciation of the level that you're at and where you're at and the things that, once you've achieved, that you want to get back uh, to those levels once again? Yes, I've achieved all those things, good things at a young age, but I didn't really appreciate it at the mm. time. Um, but now... Now that I'm a bit more mature and, and this passion is a lot stronger and I'm more motivated and driven, you know, when I do get the chance to fight for it again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep it and I'm going to stay there as long as I can. Obviously, you are based quite extensively in the UK now. How are you enjoying as well the way that the British fan uh, has, uh, has taken to you? They, they've, they seem to have adopted you as a, as a British citizen, don't you? You're, you're, you're one of the guys up in, in Morecambe there, down the old... I'm not saying that you're down the old fish and chip shop, mate, but I'm sure that they see you in the cafes and all that type of thing. How did you know I was at the chip shop? <laughs> <laughs> you but know, you do seem to have been adopted by the locals. Yeah, I, they call me they call me around here Morecambe Joe. <laughs> 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 I'll tell you the thing, though. I'll tell you the thing. I, I, feel, like, I feel like I'm at home here. Yeah, and the longer I stay, like I got my local cafe that I go to, my local Sainsbury that I shop at. There's, I just feel like I'm at home, and, and everyone shows a lot of love, and I'm honestly grateful and, and thankful to all the people that welcomed me into this country and and made me feel like uh, I'm at home. Yeah. Well, we Part enjoy having you here, mate. And you, the fabric. Listen, you're always a fantastic value on this particular show, but more importantly, you're more, always fantastic value uh, when you step through the ropes. And we're looking forward to uh, not only experiencing you on the microphone this week, but uh, experiencing, witnessing you doing your thing once again next Saturday night, mate. Enjoy the week. Thank you. Have a good weekend. Top Cheers, man. Joe. There you go. Uh, Josie Parker, who will be in action uh, next week, live on TalkSport. Come and join us from 8 o'clock. We're in Manchester at the arena as he takes on Joe Joyce. As he mentioned there, it's number one and number two in the WBO. Uh, the winner of that fight will be in prime position uh, for a shot at that WBO title, which is currently held by Alexander Usyk. The winner of the fight next weekend will, at some point in the next 12 months, be fighting for the heavyweight championship of the world. So make sure you tune into TalkSport next week for that. Now, you may have heard us talk a little bit about the prospect of fighting other heavyweights following Joe Joyce at the weekend. Of course, he's not overlooking Joe Joyce. But one of the heavyweights that we did mention was Deontay Wilder. We had his manager, Shelley Finkel, on the show at the weekend. Can I say it's fantastic to uh, hear uh, Deontay recently giving interviews, speaking so well, in a great frame of mind, and obviously 
uh, gearing towards his fight uh, with Alinius. In the back of, obviously, the uh, conclusion of the trilogy with uh, with Tyson Fury, we all wanted to see him again, and it's great news for the heavyweight division uh, that he's made that decision to continue. Um, yes, it um, shocked me. Not that he was going to continue, but that he, he, the way he did it. Um, Jay... Malik and I were at dinner with him the night before his statue was presented. And um, at the statue, he announced he was going to continue his career. And they asked him, who are you fighting next and what are you doing? And he said, oh, ask my manager, Shelley. <laughs> I, I had no idea that he what he was doing and when. <laughs> and um, they came over to me and they said, well... Um, what's your plans? I said, you can guess anyone. I said, I didn't know any more than you did. He didn't tell us mm -hmm. last night that, you know, so we laughed. And when I told Deontay that he had a sly smile and, um, he's training hard. Everything's going well. Um, we have to take Hellenius very serious cause he's a serious opponent and um, after that, um, there's a world of options for Deontay. There are, Shelley. Um, obviously, you and I go back a long way. And if for the sure. for our listeners tonight um, who, who may not have heard or don't know that obviously you were manager of Mike Tyson and advised him in his legalese years ago as well. And were, were, was around that whole, you were around that whole extraordinary era in the heavyweight division. One of the things I wanted to ask you about tonight was um, when you... When you look at Deontay, and it's something I've said, and, and I think Adam might have said it a lot recently, we see if Deon De when Deontay Wilder has come over to the UK, he is like a superstar over here. Genuinely now, he's mobbed. There are enormous fights. He's mentioned Tyson Fury again, a fourth fight with Tyson Fury this week. There are enormous fights for him in the UK. Dillian White, Anthony Joshua, Tyson Fury again, Joe Joyce, Daniel Dubois. It, the list goes on and on and on, not to mention Alexander Usyk. That could take place here and generate interest. Have you talked to Deontay about being on this side of the world and having fights over here? Um, yes. Um, in the past and recent, he loves the UK. He always felt that the UK fans gave him so much love that he has a deep, deep feeling toward um, the fans and the country. And, um, well, let me just back up a second. Um, it's come out a few times by Eddie that I avoided him. Um, that's partially true. Well, it's wholly true. Um, we have a fight coming up with Hellenius. Eddie called me. Well, he didn't actually. He tech emailed me. Can we talk? I have some big thing for Deontay. Right now, we have the Hellenius fight. That's all we need to concentrate on. Because if something went wrong there, nothing else would be. Mm. And if it goes right, it'll all get worked out. And I felt if I got on a call with Eddie, the next thing you would be on the call to me, Gareth. <laughs> oh, did you and Eddie talk and this and that? So I said, "Let." I said, Deontay, what do you think? Al, what do you think? And they said, let's just get this fight out of the way. And sure enough, 
instead of saying, boy, Shelly and I had a good, you know, Shelly didn't even talk to me. The thing is, he also has this feeling that I dislike Eddie. No, I don't always agree with him. Uh, We're on opposite sides because he has a fighter that will hopefully be an opponent for one of my guys, in this case, Deontay. And nothing of the sort. Barry and I, we go back about 30, 40 years, mm. and it's always been um, very cordial. And the Eddie um, thing, um, look, he's been around not as long as he thinks he has, but he's done some really exciting, good things. So I give him credit for that. And when it comes time to make a deal, It'll get done or not. I mean, it got done with Klitschko when it was to happen. And now, you know, he seems to be on a path to fight um, Fury. I wish him well. The other day, we got a message that Usyk um, will fight us if we don't, um, you know, if he, um, Joshua, goes the route of Fury. Fury. Yeah, we're open to that. Mm. We're not opposed to that at all. And if not, there's Ruiz, there's several other options. In our mind, until the Fury thing came, I was thinking that after the fight with Hellenius, if everything went right, we would be talking, Eddie and I. But, you know, things happen. Fascinating. You know, I mean, so what you're saying there is that you know, you need to get Hellenius out of the way. It's great that Deontay's back, but he's going to be in the market for those huge fights. Fury, Usyk, Joshua. We want to see those fights, Shelley. The boxing world wants to see those fights. Um, I agree. It's a funny thing. I've discussed it recently with, um, you know, our uh, rest of the team. And... It may never happen. It may not be the result I wanted. But deep in my heart, I believe Deontay could beat Fury. Mm. Um, He hasn't shown it. He hasn't done it the way, you know, it could have been. And Fury executed his plan the way he should have. I have a lot of respect for um, Fury. He knows when I see him, him and I, you know, are very um, even warm because... um, I go back with the Klitschko days. I go back when he was having his problems. And um, the man has conquered a lot and risen to the top. And I do believe at this moment he is the top. And um, my hat's off to him. He is a great showman. He may drive you reporters crazy by putting out one story and changing it before you write it. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But but otherwise... um, He's a breath of fresh air. You got things going. It's, you know, people are talking. Um, since the days of Tyson, the heavyweight division hasn't been this exciting. You just named about five, six, mm-hmm. you know, potential opponents. Um, there's a couple of good fights coming up on your shore. Um, the Parker Joyce fight is interesting. The um, what Daniel will do next. The Fury Joshua, if that gets completed, um, Usyk, whatever. You know, there's just a lot going on, which is good. Um, aside from 
I think the welterweight division, there's nothing like that um, in any other division with the depth of mm. it. Just to, just to finish, uh, Mr. Finkel, do you believe, and I know that the boxing, listen, I'm asking you this because you've been there, seen it and done it and got the T-shirt. Do you believe that Deontay Wilder will fight for a heavyweight world championship within the next 12 months? Well, let me put it this way. It should be. He should. And at this moment, based on what you and I can see out there, the most likely would be Usyk because Fury is tied up with Joshua. And um, they talked about a rematch clause. Um, I believe Fury wins that fight, but Joshua is not a foregone conclusion in my mind to lose. And I thought that he improved a lot in his last fight. I felt Robert Garcia did a lot of good things for him. And I just think that there's some inner strength of music um, that turned it around in the 10th round. Because after the ninth, I said, boy, Joshua comes out strong. Um, I think he'll get him. Mm. And music rose to the occasion. And, Indeed. Um, Indeed. Yeah, and that's what um, makes the, you know someone stars. Um, just to go a little further... I believe that boxing mirrors life in many ways. And I have a saying, life is great, just not perfect. So we have tribute trials that we have to pass, and the greats get knocked down, but get up. Mm. The ones that don't get up are not. And I believe Usyk is one of those, from unifying the cruiserweight division to doing what he's done in the heavyweight division. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. On Friday night at the York Hall, Denzel Bentley was in action, taking care of Marcus Morrison inside four rounds, defending his British middleweight title. A fabulous display from the man uh, from London. We got him on the show and broke into his celebratory dinner in the process. I'm actually at dinner, but I've, I've stepped outside. Good man. Cool. That's the right answer, mate. <laughs> That's the right answer. Listen, um, last night, obviously, uh, the fight with Marcus Morrison, it was built throughout the course of the week. It was built up quite nicely. 
Um, and performance-wise, listen, you've had some wonderful performances, some great uh, gut checks as well down the years. But last night, it just seemed a bit of a coming-of-age moment for you. Like, you felt comfortable being the champ, walking to the ring as the champ, embracing uh, the challenges that come as the champ, and then obviously getting the job done in quick fashion against Marcus. Yeah, no, last night, I just I just felt like, you know, I, I need to start owning, you know, the position I'm in and owning, owning, you know, the title that I have. I think earlier when I won it against Mark Heffron, um, it, 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 it might have been a bit early, a bit too early. You know, I fought in my 13th fight and because of the lockdown, you know, people were just forced to take talent, challenges that they may have not been, not necessarily ready for, but I'm not saying I wasn't ready or I was rushed, but I was just up for the challenge. Yeah. And if it wasn't for lockdown, it might have been another year until I'd, I'd got there. Do you know what I mean? So, you know, I'm here for the second time and it's like, listen, own it this time, own it. You're not here. You're not, this is no step up. They're not doing anyone, like no one's doing you any favours. Mm. If, if anything, the challenger, you're doing them a favour by giving them the opportunity. And I felt like that was the decision I'm taking. Like, I'm giving you the opportunity to fight me. So, mm. you know, this, this is my, this is my field. This is my home, my territory. And I've, that's why I felt yesterday. The the listen watching your interviews throughout the course of the week, there were the they felt a new confidence, they felt a new maturity. The performance obviously emulated that. And listen, I want to just quickly refer back to a defeat that you suffered. Do you think that comes from the learns that you've taken from the Felix Cash fight? You seem to be just mentally different now since that fight. Yeah, most definitely. Like I said, I, I can't let that happen again. So instead of soaking about it and you know trying to hide away from the public and you know, trying to ignore the fact that it happened. I'm embracing the fact that it happened and what I'm going to do about it to make sure it doesn't happen again. And and I think that's what I'm doing at, at this moment. I think, I'm, you know, I've, I've bounced back pretty well from it. I'm still taking tough challenges. It's not mm. going to change me as a person. Some people take losses and, you know, they want warm-up fights or easy fights back for a little while or confidence boosters or they go missing for a year. I just wanted to get right back on the circuit. So, that- you know, my, my mentality just is a little bit different. Yeah, and that's the attitude that most fans want to hear as well. The, what, what I found, not amusing, but what I found interesting last night from uh, Joe Gallagher and Marcus Morrison's tactic point of view is obviously they have they may have looked at the Felix Cash fight and thought, right, let's <coughs> jump on Denzel Bentley early and see if we can catch him cold and catch him catch him nice and early in a particular fight. From your point of view, to be able to, to weather that and to dish it back out and, and obviously come out and avail within four rounds, that now must also give you an awful amount of confidence knowing full well that if somebody does want to come and give it me early, I'm more than capable of being able to deal with that and do my own work too. Yeah, 100%. And I think that's going to be everyone's game plan going forward. So I've, <laughs> I've got to be wary of that. You know, that's the only thing you can look at where, you know, you, they've, they've seen a photo or, or blueprint, so to speak, of how to, you know, beat me. I think um, Linus tried that in my last fight as well. And yeah. instead of me mm. getting with him, I, I kind of held back and, tried to step on the gas later, it worked. But this time around, Martin said, look, you're going with him. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? He said, listen, they're going to start fast. I want you to go with him. I trust Martin. I trust what he does. I, you know, what we've been working on. So that's, that's what we've done. He started fast and I went with him and it paid off in the end. Being a crowd pleaser is always a fantastic fire that is lit under the fans watching. Obviously, we've got super middleweights fighting tonight, uh, Canelo Alvarez and uh, uh, Gennady Golovkin. Middleweights originally, that's where yeah. they performed at their very best and where they had their first two fights. Um, yeah. One of the things, apart from those who are elite fighters, you um, have twice held the British middleweight title now. Um, what do you think about the way those elite fighters are earning money 
how YouTubers are earning money and how you're having to really ply your trade in a tough way? It's, it's you know, it's, it's a big gap between, you know, the money they earn and the money we earn at um, the British level. But I guess that all comes with profiling, you know, um, a, lot, a lot of the social media has to play with that. And to be honest, not for them, actually. For them, it's actually their career. They've had it hard. Canelo's been a professional 15 years. Do you know what I mean? He didn't just start making earning the money he's earning now. Like he's 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 you know he's he's engraved his name in the sport, same as Golovkin. Golovkin's engraved his name in the sport. Like they're they're multiple multiple time world champions. Canelo's a multiple weight world champion. They've earned it. So you know that's that's those are the guys I look at and I look at their resumes and they fought tough guys to to get to where they are and they deserve every penny they get. So, what about the YouTubers earning large amounts of money for their events? Then <laughs> you, you know what it, it's, I, you know I, I can't really say too much about that because they've earned that in a different field. Yeah, they've earned that yeah. through through the way they built their 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 um, fan base. So initially, it's their fan base that's paying for them mm. to watch them box or whatever it is they're doing. Are they good or, for our sport, though, Denzel? Are they good for our sport? Um, if they can bring eyes to our sport. It's it's not good to have too much of it because mm. then the sport can seem a mimic or a joke or whatever, but at the same time, it's, it is entertaining. As long as we know that that's not real boxing and there is real boxing, yeah. then it's good. But I think I think real boxers need to step up and start having fights to make real boxing entertaining and not, yeah. you know, Agreed. everyone likes to see two, 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 two guys in the street that don't know how to fight having a fight. Do you mm. know what I'm saying? Mm. Like, if you walked outside the pub and you saw two guys that thought they could fight having a fight, you'd be interested. Mm. But, yeah. then, but, but then, when you, but then you, watch, when you watch great guys like, you know, um, Let's say Floyd Mayweather, Andre Ward, and even recently now Shakur Stevenson. Mm. Us as us as boxing, let's say um, spectators or experts, you know, we're fast to call them boring because they're not mm. as exciting. And if we're going to label them boring, we're setting out a, a you know a, a stereotype for those type of fighters that are so great because everything's one sided. You've got to it's cultivate boring, the so. appreciation of them, haven't you? Yeah, you, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. You, we've got we've got to appreciate the skill and explain to the public mm. that don't understand what's going on mm. what they're doing rather than calling them boring, boring and making the public not want to watch them and maybe want to watch, you know, Jake Paul or KSI fight because they don't know what they're doing and it's more entertaining. Wait, Jake, so, and and Jake, Jake Paul and Anderson Silva. Now, now you're aware of Anderson Silva, yeah? Yeah, of course, yeah. The great UFC fighter, Brazilian, yeah. brilliant knockout artist. What do you make of Jake Paul and Anderson Silva fighting then? I think it's a good way for Jake Paul to say I'm fighting a real fighter because, you know, Anderson Silva beat um, Julio Chavez Jr., so, you know, it, it makes it seem like, yeah, I'm fighting a real fire. But I think um, Anderson Silva is still dangerous. I think he's one of them guys, he's just a fighting man. He'd fight forever if he could. Mm. Do you know what I mean? He's just one of those guys that Ben Hopkins fought to was 50 and he was still, he won fights here and there. Mm. But I, I, I think it's still dangerous, but it's still not going to give Jake Paul the credit he deserves. And I still don't think he should be ranked. And I think Jake Paul being ranked is what is what kills the sport. Mm. Being completely agree. Yeah, yeah completely that, that, that's agree. what kills the sport. If you're going to have fun with what you're doing, have fun with it on your side of things, let your people that, you know, appreciate it, that are fans of what you do, buy into it. But when you bring it to our world and guys that have been fighting years just to be ranked and get a shot at a world title and this guy comes because of all the money he generates, you put him in a top five or top 15 or whatever it is, a governing body. That's not fair in my eyes. He doesn't even have a, a real weight class. Mm. I think you, you know nailed I mean? that, Denzel. I think you've absolutely, absolutely nailed that. Nailed it. Uh, listen, before we let you go, um, obviously you've now defended the Lonsdale belt. Yes. To win it outright, maybe a couple more defences. What is the plan? Because I know that you've obviously got aspirations of maybe European titles, Commonwealth titles, and then, of course, at some point, moving into that world 
uh, level. What's the what's the immediate plan next, mate? Um, the immediate plan right now, apart from going back to dinner, <laughs> yeah, definitely go back to dinner. But you know, um, you know me already. I take a week off in the back in the gym. My Martin would, yeah, ain't gonna you know bother me or stress me with loads of information. He'll wait till you know I, I'll have my fun. I've cleared my head, and then when I want to know, he'll let me know. Okay, look, listen, this is what we got planned. Then, like, what way do you want to move? Like, obviously, I'll have I'll have an input as well. Let me know. Look, this is these are the options, and then we choose from there. If, if I can, I think I need to defend it one more time, and if that's the case, yeah, I want to get out one more time this year anyway. Brilliant. And if and if you know it can be that for me to keep it, it's a good looking belt, it. isn't it? It's a good looking no, belt, it's man. It's a lovely looking belt, and and it makes it more enticing when you know you've got one more defense. When yeah. it's three defenses, it's easy to be like, ah, that's that's long. I want to move on, but you got one more defense. It's like. Why not? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I like so, that. I like that. I like yeah. that. Listen, Frank last night yeah. was talking maybe possibility of 2023, you and Hamza Shiraz maybe have a, having a fight. Is that something that uh, is attractive for you? Yeah, why not? Why not? Why not? He's a middleweight. He's in my division. He's got a WBC silver, which puts him top five in the rankings. That's a, you know... A good very, with the Europeans as well. Yeah, it's a, it's a good yeah. European ranking with the WBC too. Yeah, exactly. Good good, good European ranking. But that's a, you know, very, very close step to, you know, world title, world honours and being in that space. So that's that's a good fight. Um, at first when they mentioned it to me, I was like, "Yeah, I'm game," but there was nothing to really get gained from it from from my side. Of but course. now there is a bit more, and it's building up nicely. Everyone keeps mentioning it, so that could be a that could be a big, you know, arena fight at some point. Um, don't know, can't say how much it will feel. I'm not gonna like, you know, it's it's, 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 Mate, it's Joshua, a great but, fight. Makes a great <laughs> but fight. It's a good fight and it's a good domestic fight, and I think we'll put on a show. But wherever it is, I think it'll be a big fight, and hopefully, it's one of them fight of the year contenders. Sticking with middleweights, Nathan Heaney fights this weekend in Manchester on the undercard of Joyce Parker. It's a big step up as he takes on the former European title challenger in Jack Flatley, a guy from the local area as well. An away day for Nathan Heaney. So we got him on the show to talk about it. Hey, up me ducks, hey, up. Feeling really good, mate. And um, yeah, buzzing. Buzzing for next week. Obviously, seven days today. And yeah, I can't wait. What's. Um... What's the mentality like of having an away day? That's listen. You've obviously fought outside of Stoke on several occasions, but it's no. It, it, it normally feels like a Nathan Heaney uh, home fight. This one, you're fighting a guy from the local area of Manchester. He's a Bolton boy. He's flatly. Uh, he'll have a few fans in there. I know that you've done a few away tickets. Does it feel like a little bit of a, a football away day for you? One sense. I mean, I think he probably lives probably 13 miles away from the venue, so. I am essentially fighting in his back garden. So even though I've got over one and a half thousand of travelling from Stoke and around the UK to support me, it is I am fighting in someone's backyard. And who knows, half the arena could be against me because he's from the Greater Manchester area. Uh, so he makes it makes it exciting because I have only really had the crowd going one way with me, as opposed to having somebody else with a massive crowd with them. So. It, it does make it a bit more exciting in that regard. I was going to say, does does that get the juices flowing? Does that excite you? Oh, one million percent, because it just it just adds to the the drama of the show and just yeah. And if he's landing good shots, and and obviously they go up, that that his his crowd go up, and then obviously I land the shots that my crowd will go up. It, it's going to make for a really really special fight, I think. Regarding level of opponent as well. Obviously, Jack's challenged at European level previously. Um, he's former English champion too. So therefore, level of opponent, it's a nice step up in the right direction for yourself. Again, you've just mentioned that it's away from home. There's a lot of different challenges that are facing you uh, next Saturday, as well as obviously a lot of eyes around the world that'll be watching it because of the, what, what we're expecting in the main event. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's it's, it's definitely a step up. Jack, Jack Bradley is um, a very, very, very good fighter. Had a, an established pedigree as an amateur as well. An ABA finalist. Um, he, he's relentless in what he does. He's very fit. Like, he's dedicated to the sport. There's one fighter that you know is going to give everything in the build-up to a fight. It's going to be Jack. So I know everything that I've been doing is is in preparation for, for someone like that. Because, he, yeah, he's, he's got everything to obviously to, for me as a step up and and if I do the wrong things, it's obviously beat me. So, it, yeah, I've got to be really twitched on with everything and, and just see how it goes. I'm looking forward to the rendition of Delilah as you come in. Because, <laughs> I knew that's where you, you know, were going. No, because, like, you know... You love uh, it. You get out your seat. Every time you make a ring walk, you're out your seat, you enjoy yourself. It's not unusual, is it? Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, um, there's something about Nathan... Um, when those fans travel the 60 miles from Stoke to central Manchester, and obviously you're the hitman, you're the new hitman of Manchester, Ricky will be there, Ricky, <laughs> Ricky Hatton will be there as well. Um, I can't... Is Amanda Serrano on the card now as well or not? Have I got on this that one? Wrong? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Amanda... So is she co-main? Are you just yeah. before Amanda Serrano and then... And then the heavyweights. I honestly don't know. Okay, I, I don't well, know I imagine that, I, Nathan, I'm, assu- yeah. I'm assuming that should be one well, of the very last ones. Well... That the arena will be pretty much full by then, mate. And his, and, and, his and fans will fill the arena. And, and, and exactly. <laughs> That's, I mean, there's, there's two. As you said, there's a thousand and a half coming. There's more from around the country coming. We know Nathan because we've we 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 were at that amazing broadcast during lockdown when eight to eight hundred people yeah, were allowed. Yeah. Remember, and the roof was coming off the Telford Centre that night. And you were extraordinary, and you boxed brilliantly that night. And it was kind of a it was a coming of age moment in your career, I think, in many ways because it was that celebration where we were back in boxing it wasn't behind closed doors anymore and I think you grew that night didn't you I think Tommy Fury was on the card as well you grew that night if that if I'm if I'm if, if that's fair to say Nathan yeah absolutely and, and it certainly put eyes on me from around the UK one obviously my performance because I stopped him in the third round mm. granted it wasn't the opponent wasn't all that to be fair but it was it was what I was given at the time I didn't really have much choice. And then, and then obviously, I put the performance on. But I think it was because we had that two years or a year and a half away from us where no one could go to any sport events. Exactly. And ours was basically the first one back. So I had I had 600 that went to me to Telford because I could only get 60, uh, 600 tickets. I couldn't get any more. But the, the noise they made, it just reminded people of what sport was all about in regards to atmosphere and, and the electricity, obviously. And, and obviously, the, the, the kind of support that they give me so, yeah, it, it was coming of age for everything in terms of, obviously, my performance, put me on the, on the UK stage, and then, obviously, my supporters as well. And then, obviously, it's grown a lot since then. Um, but, yeah, it, it, was, it was a great night, that one. Listen, right, you've had a big year already, mate, yeah, because we know that uh, you made an honest woman of your good lady. Now, first and foremost, Stag Do, Vegas. Are you allowed to tell us any stories that happen out there or not? Yeah, out to be I was based in June over in Vegas. Get because... out. Get oh, out, right. man. I'm not yeah. having it. I'm not yeah. having it. <laughs> no, I was. I, honestly, I hardly gambled. Um, I had a couple of drinks on the first night. But it was, it, to be fair, it was incredible. It was an amazing It was an amazing place. Uh, very expensive, though. Yeah. Like, the reason I didn't drink is because it was like $35 for a pint. So I was like, I'm so glad. But no, it's, it, you know, it was great over there. And, um, I, did try, I did try to go over to Joe Juicy's gym while I was there, but... We never got back to the DM, so he didn't reply until about a week later. I was like, I'm back now, Joe, but a bit too late, man. So that happens. You get back. You obviously have the wedding. Now, 
she, she's waiting for honeymoon, pal. You've had, to, you've had you've had to put it on hold because of the camp, haven't you? Yeah, absolutely. Boxing, as Louise says, boxing ruins my life. But it doesn't. It's, it's great. But, but you know, it, it does. She doesn't say that at all. But it, it, boxing takes up a lot of things. And obviously, yeah, the, the honeymoon actually put on hold. I would have loved to have gone straight away for us to go away when we got married seven or eight weeks ago. Uh, but it, it, it is what it is. It's just, it, it, Louise, to Louise backs me all the way. And she's an incredible wife and a incredible partner. So, yeah, it's just one of them. We're going to have to, we're gonna have to. Well, I was originally gonna book it for like the second of December, but then I saw that there might be a certain date. You need, you need to get on that card, son. You need to be well, getting on, on that one. So I've said, I've said, listen, Louise, just give me a sec. <laughs> do you fancy? Do, do you fancy your running moon in South Wales? That's what you need, lad. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's what we'll do. So uh, you see, yeah, Louise will back me whatever I need to do. But how how important is that? Because we don't often talk about it enough. The, the, the support mechanisms that fighters go through. It's a very lonely sport. You're spending a lot of time in camp. You're spending money on your camps. You're away from family. Obviously, you've got young family as well. You've just got married and what have you. There's 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 real-life pressures in fighters' lives, but, and it's so important to have that support at home in order to keep that balance, to keep normal life ticking, in order for you to attempt to fulfil your dreams. Yeah, 100%. They've got to back it all the way. I mean, I'm very fortunate that... Obviously, I'm a full-time fighter now, and my coach, Steve Woodvine, is one of the best coaches in the country, is a Stoke-born lad, so I haven't got far to travel. It's not like I've got to mm. go miles up to London or wherever these boys have to travel to. So I get to see my girls growing up a lot more than what I ever could have wished before, and that's something that's great about what boxing's given to me. But yeah, Louise, like even tonight, we had to go through all the... Obviously, I've sold all my tickets, and I've got all the money, and Louise's like, right, we need to go through all the allocations now to make sure that you have made no mistakes. She's in and charge of admin. She's the admin. Yeah, I'll, I'll, well, she knows. If she's in charge with me doing it alongside me, it's going to be fine. But I'd say the last 80 tickets I've organised, like I've been auditing them all. <laughs> and she's thinking, oh my goodness, I shouldn't be letting him do this. Take too many punches anyway. So it's, um, it's yeah, but fortunately, it's fine gone. Now, of course, at the weekend, it was Canelo Triple G. I'm not going to spoil the results of the fight for you, just in case you've not caught up with it, but come on. If you're a fight fan, you should have been all over that at the weekend. Um, It kind of inspired a conversation about our favourite trilogies of all time. This happened on Saturday night, and this is what me and Gareth had to say. A little bit closer to home, to be sat ringside for every single one of Fury Wilder was an absolute treat because if you look at that as a trilogy, every single fight has something in it that you take away and go, wow, that was absolutely top, top draw. Well, you're wearing the Arturo Gatti versus Mickey Ward uh, trilogy uh, hoodie. I am. Tonight, looking resplendent. Um, That has to go in there. was two of those three fights, so I've got to mention those. Which were you at? Which one were you at? Were you at the two Arturo Gatti wins? Or? I tell you, I tell, who, let me think about who was on the card. I think, weirdly, I think Audley Harrison was on one of them. Do I, am I right? Am I losing my mind? <laughs> was one in Atlantic City? Oh, I'm losing my mind here. I need to look it up. One, The second one was in Atlantic... The th- second and third were in Atlantic City. Yeah, I've, the, so those. And the first one was in... Junkersville. Uh, Oh, what was the date of that? What was the date of that? May 18th, 2002, followed by November 
2002. Well, Harrison turned pro. You are <laughs> Audley Harrison turned pro after the Australia Olympics in 2000. So there you go. Probably the, the first one. one. He fought. So you went to Atlantic City. So you went to the, the must second have been or the two third. Three. I, I don't think I was at Uncasville. But okay. it might, I can't remember now. I need to look it up. So you, so the two you were at are two Rogatti ones. Yes. There you go. Yes. There you go. But what was amazing about those fights, yep. what is actually amazing about those fights is that they literally took turns yep. to hit each other. Like, a you have a go, I have a go. Yeah. It was just, just it was great. Like, like, like a, like a, a, a joy of masochism from both of them. Like a weird, and they, they never... They never looked out. They and when they did, they just rebounded. It's like it's like a cartoon figure that gets crushed and squashed flat, and then kind of like is inflated again. It was extraordinary. Um, I've got to mention because we, I think we're both at, all three of them. You've got to mention Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury trilogy yeah. in there because I think when you've been at them, they're even more special. Of course, yeah. You know. Of course. Um, Did you do any of the uh, Barrera Morales fights? No, no. My word. They no, were, they were extraordinary. They were special, I've, I've seen all three. Yes, absolutely. Incredibly special. Um, I think, listen, the number one, without any shadow of a doubt, anybody that's arguing with us about this, come yeah. on, let's get straight about it. We're talking about the fight of the century to start it off and the uh, the thriller in Manila to, to finish it all off. Yeah. It is, of course, Ali Frazier. They are as good as it as it gets. And even just to listen to both of those gentlemen um, when they did in the immediate aftermath of the final one uh, with the Thriller in Manila, for them both to say, listen, his team pulled him out seconds before I was about to pull myself out at the end of the 14th round. Just outstanding, outstanding action. And of all of those, they were, of the ones we've mentioned, these are 15-round fights, yes. remember? Yes, So, obviously, the last one was stopped um, with... Uh, with, with, with Frazier, um, well, Ali saying that's the closest to death I've ever felt. Yes. It? You know, in that. I mean, I, two names that we, we talked about it earlier in the show. It's, it's weird how Golovkin and Canelo tonight don't like each other, but their names will be forever linked. I mean, I remember doing an interview with Joe Frazier before he passed and before Muhammad Ali passed um, saying, you know, I know which one's going to heaven, I know which one's going to hell. And he he never, that the rivalry was so strong and he felt so insulted by Muhammad Ali, who was only ever joking and selling a fight, that he could never forgive him for it. And And in a weird way, I think that resentment and spitefulness exists between, to put a cap on it tonight, between Canelo and Golovkin, and I don't think they'll ever be friends. No. Um, I th listened to the, some of their interviews this week. Um, I think from a Gennady Golovkin point of view, he, I don't think, has too much nastiness or animosity towards uh, Canelo Alvarez. I think it's the, it's more so the other way around, where Canelo Alvarez really does have some type of dislike uh, for Gennady Golovkin. But I hope in some way, shape or form they can put that ghost to rest tonight because the fact is... We're talking about two of the best fighters of their generation. There's absolutely no doubt about that. I've been making content all week on these two guys going back and I've watched all 24 rounds again. And even though we can all argue about how the first one goes or how the second one goes, there is absolutely no doubt that every single round in this fight is competitive. Every single one of those 24 phases is competitive. Canelo has moments, Triple G has moments, and it's just... The very best of the best. High-level chess. You go, I go. It's brilliant to watch. Yeah, absolutely. And you can't 
That's why you can't second-guess this fight. They are so adept at being in the office, boxing to secrete, discreet rather, three-minute rounds and, and, and cleverly working their way through it and putting behind them what happened in the last round. Gennady Golovkin, we think, may be stopped by a body shot late. That's the, the best bet uh, in this fight. But he will probably survive 12 rounds, even if he's in trouble. So there you have it. Thank you very much for listening to us. Don't forget, we are live from the Manchester Arena this weekend as we bring you live exclusive commentary on TalkSport for Joyce versus Parker. With it being on the radio, it's free as well. No need to be paying those pay-per-view prices. Just letting you know. Anyway, come and join us for that and also come and join us next Monday for more podcast action. You can subscribe to us on iTunes or via the TalkSport website. We are the home of boxing. Tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.